hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. And here we go. Line ball to start this game. Jeremy Loblotsky and John Morassi teeing off on one another. Toporowski is just pounding away at Robinson. These, we said Toporowski, this is the guy who set a Western Hockey League record for 505 penalty minutes. Let's call it like it is. Toporowski's a boon. Getting closer. He reaches in a right back. He's out. Dad Griffin. He's just fought. Stu Griffin. Oh, my goodness. Scott Parker for the KO of Stu Griffin. This is one of the best hockey fights we have seen in a long time. Vinnabush tells the linesman, get the heck out of my kitchen. All right, Victor. He absolutely decked Jim Crate with a wild right. A sheer stagger by a big left hand. All right, here we are again live in the Enforcer Appreciation Group. Uh, this is going to be episode number 48, and we will be talking about if the NHL is maybe having a little bit of a new enforcer arms race going on. I, I saw, uh, you know, I got to thank Doug Smith, Doug the Hammer Smith, um, the <laughs> Howie when you're on Wahabit Crown. Okay, I'll take you up on that. Now, I'm, I'm thinking next Thursday, Howie. I just talked to the wife. We're going out of town uh, next week, uh, so I'm thinking Thursday, but um so it was actually Doug Smith who brought this up and he said the NHL is kind of on a new arms race for enforcers. And in a way it's kind of true here. So obviously people know this is the off season and it's a little bit dead. And of course, tough hockey in itself is, um, is on the, you know, the decline every year. It's only getting worse and worse, but I, you know, this, this year, at least, especially in the Eastern conference, it seems like a lot of teams have just re-signed new people, um, or traded to get people as we just saw with Reeves and, um, I think it was Tenorti for the Rangers. So I got all that stuff down here, um, of who we're going to talk about. So I guess I'll, I'll kick it off. You know, Anthony, you, you brought up a good point. So I'll kick it off with your Toronto Maple Leafs and, if anybody here knows me, they know I can't stand the Maple Leafs. I'm sorry if we have Leafs fans out there. I just, I, the the GM um, and kind of the, the fans with their whole, they bought into the analytic system of old Kyle Dubas. So um, if you're on Twitter, it'll make a lot more sense. If you're not on Twitter, you probably might be wondering what I'm talking about. But the, the, the idiocy alone on hockey Twitter is through the roof. But Leaf fans, it's almost like it's kind of enhanced. So it's funny. Um, but I was actually really surprised. I know they were saying a lot of people... Um, you know, we're, we're kind of criticizing the Leafs that they weren't making many moves and everything like that. But I see that they picked up Curtis Gabriel and I know Curtis Gabriel, he's a dude who's definitely willing and he got a little bit of, a little bit of flack, even from some former tough guys, um, which I, you know, I see it from both sides where, you know, he, was he doing the greatest in his fights? Not necessarily, but he was also, he was willing and he was actually bringing a spark and that part I didn't understand that people were shitting on him that, Oh, he's not winning his fights, but there's the same people are the ones who complain that, um, 
you know, the NHL is so far away from having that spark and the rivalry in, in hockey again. So it's funny. It's like a double-edged sword. It's like, well, do you want Curtis Gabriel to do that and bring that spark? Or do you want him to... Exactly, Jordan. He brings the emotion to the game. That's, that's, that's exactly true. So I was very surprised, actually, to see the Maple Leafs make that trade. Because, like I said, he... Um, he's, he's talking to warm up. He's a gamer. Oh yeah, he's he's loving to ch- he loves to chirp in the pregame warm ups, and I dig it. I dig it completely. And w- with me, of course, as a fan, I don't really necessarily. I think the win f- win loss ratio for fighters kind of um, it's you know it's that's more so a fan thing. I look at it more so if a guy's willing to drop the gloves and fucking throw down every night, uh, what more can he ask for? So. Um, it's interesting because like I said, it was a very double-edged sword. People would love him and also hate him. So it was weird, but I was very surprised to see Toronto pick him up. Um, because Dubas obviously was, he had signed guys and it was Wayne Simmons and Wayne Simmons, I think was actually on a, he was going to have a solid season, but then his hand, um, the injury to his hand really, really put a damper in it. And he, it was hard for him to fight after. And the problem is now too, um, I think his contract is a one way, and I think I think so too. Jeff, don't worry, I'll get back to the Wings fighter because I got to see him in Tampa, so I I will get to that. I got the whole list here, um, but you're right, Jordan. I think he is on a one way with Toronto, so that's pretty solid. I just it's I'm curious to make sure that he doesn't become a healthy scratch often, so we'll see what happens. Um, but with with Curtis Gabriel on the team, it's it's going to be very interesting. And like I just said, with the whole him being scratched, not being scratched, we'll see. Um, but it's definitely the toughness that the Leafs need because it's one thing to bring in toughness. And don't get me wrong. I'm a huge fan of like Jumbo Joe and Wayne Simmons, but you almost got to bring in the right kind of toughness. So I think Curtis Gabriel personally is a little bit of a better fit for the Maple Leafs rather than um, Wayne Simmons and Joe Thornton, just because they're kind of, well, especially Joe. I mean, I think he's past the back nine of his career and that's no disrespect. He's a you know hall of famer, no doubt, but at the same time, you know, Wayne Simmons, again, he's kind of on the back nine of his career. So I think it's going to be good for them to have someone fresh like Curtis Gabriel to come in there. And, yep, there you go, Sabarin, too. They brought him in, and I was going to get to him. Boy, everybody's already hitting the nail on the head. This is great. You guys make it so much easier, too. In case I forget anybody, everybody's already saying it. So that's awesome. Um, and Sabrin's another guy. I know he might go down to the Marlies. Um, or he's going to be playing with the Marlies most of the time. But Sabrin was another really tough dude and the uh, it's funny, everybody was saying, um, you know, that the whole chirp with Austin Matthews and um, you know, Scott Sabrin, the whole looking at his name, you know, looking over like this, seeing like, uh, oh, what's your name and who are you, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, and I, I get it. It's kind of funny. But at the same time, it's like Matthews, maybe maybe it would be a little bit better if you could drop the gloves, too. So I, I give it Matthews a little bit of shit here and there. But like I said, I'm actually really excited to see Curtis Gabriel there. And if, if by some chance by some crazy reason that they bring up uh, Saverin at the same time as Curtis Gabriel. That'll be a whole lot of fun to watch. Um, so I think the Leafs, and I, I know they made another move. I'm not going to talk about any of the other moves that we're talking strictly, you know, tough. Uh, I use the term tough guys and enforcers loosely because, of course, it's today's standards. And that's no disrespect to the guys. It's just like, um, you know, these guys aren't fighting Derek Bugard four times a year, you know. So it's it's just, I use the term a little bit loosely here, but... Um, it's good to see at least a little bit of spark being added to the Leafs. And I think that'll help him out in the long run. And I know some people were, you know, oh, he's only got, you know, X amount of goals for the season. Well, he's not really there to score goals. That's not their purpose. And the same thing is said about Reeves, um, with Ranger fans. So I think, um, I think, like I said, though, that's going to be a solid move for the Maple Leafs. And, um, I'm looking forward to see if Gabriel starts chirping in warmups again. I'm sure he will. Cause that's what they brought him in for. So I, I hope we see some of that spark that Gabriel has. And, um, 
the pregame warmups chirping, patrolling the red line, you know, getting it going for the boys. So hopefully that uh, that goes well. And maybe it lights a fire under Toronto's ass because it seems like, you know, they got complacent in the playoffs. And I just, um, I, I'm not a Maple Leafs fan. Not that I'm, you know, I only wanted to see them fail just because of how many Leaf fans thought the, um, oh man, what's it called? You know, they were going to be the greatest team ever in the playoffs. And so, you know, in, in all reality, when there's a tough guy, I root for the tough guy. It was even this year that, you know, no, even though I'm technically a Tampa fan, um, I wouldn't have been mad if Vegas or the Islanders won it because it would have been Ryan Reeves winning the cup or Matt Martin. So, um, you know, hopefully a tough guy can get it, but. We will see. I'm curious to see what's going to happen with the Leafs. If they, I think if they play Gabriel, it'll be a lot better than if they don't because they'll have somebody because they get bullied. The, the Leafs just do. They're that team that just gets bullied because they have nobody to, you know, to answer the bell. So we'll see what happens with them, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, the other one um, is McDermott, who originally got drafted by the Kraken. Oh, God, I fucking hate that name. I think the crack is a solid name for a minor league like ECHL team, but cracking for the NHL is just ridiculous. Um, oh, let's see. What did Jordan say? Him, Watson, or Haley will be a good tilt when Ottawa and Toronto go at it. Yes, I'm a huge Michael Haley fan. Watson, Watson's a guy who's willing. He doesn't win them all, but, you know, it's credit where credit's due. But I really think Haley and Gabriel would be probably the, you know, the main event, we'll say. So definitely be on the lookout for that one. Um but Curtis McDermott had gone from, or excuse me, he got drafted by Seattle. And then lo and behold, over there, I think it was Joe Sackick's the GM of the Avalanche, correct? Um, we'll have to, I, I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, sorry, I kind of don't stay too, too up to date, especially with like GM and management, um, you know, in today's NHL. But Sackick, you know, brought him in for the Colorado Avalanche. So I think that'll be another little spark that'll add for the, um, or excuse me, a spark to add for the Colorado Avalanche while they go in. Um, and hopefully make another deep playoff run for them. We'll see. Um, McDermott is another dude. He's kind of starting to get up there in age a little bit, but I he I mean he gave he gave um, Gabriel a run for his money this year, um, just in the in this year's fight. So McDermott can definitely still bang. And I think he fought Lucic last year. Gave Lucic a pretty good go, and um, I think that's a solid pickup for for Colorado with their lineup. They don't really. I don't think they've had much toughness since. Probably McLeod or Bordalo. Really, they really haven't had too too much. I think they had Steve Downey a little bit, but in the recent years, the the Colorado Avalanche have not had a crazy amount of toughness. Um, so I think Adam McDermott and uh, you know sparking the guys up a little bit there will hopefully be pretty good for them. Um, we'll have to see. The Avalanche they, and they just resigned was it Landis Cog I think or Mc, Landis Cog or McKinnon I think it was Landis Cog. So I think they're set to make another deep run. So we'll see how much they play. Um, and yes, Trent Frederick for the Bruins. I got him down on here as well. Um, so we'll see what happens with the Avalanche and McDermott, but I think they're set to make another decently deep run. And I think having that depth in McDermott will be pretty solid for them. From what I could tell, he's one of the guys who've kind of fought the last few of the, you know, the more so the more of the heavier, heavier weights, we'll say, um, heavyweight is, I think used pretty loosely today's in like today's standards as well. So I think he's fought more of the tougher guys in the recent years than, um, a lot of the other guys who are considered tough guys today. So I think that's a solid pickup for Colorado. Um, let me see here. Who else we got? One sec. Mm. Here we go. I forget who said it earlier, but I'm getting to it here. And that is Luke Witkowski to the Detroit Red Wings, but he's probably more so going to be with the Grand Rapids Griffins. So I was fortunate. I got to see Luke Witkowski play down here in Tampa 
and he he's another dude. And from what I can tell with Iserman, I think I think he uh, prefers to have his tough guys in the AHL as a GM to protect the upcoming stars because I, I for whatever reason they just don't have it much in the NHL. Um, I'd have to look up and see it. He only played a few games in the 20, I think it was the 1920 season um, with the Lightning. He only got a handful of games and then was immediately sent back down to the AHL. I'm trying to get up the exact numbers here. Probably that probably help if I get exact numbers to, uh, you know, help out with the stats a little bit. But um, Luke Witkowski, he's a, he's a tough dude. He he didn't start fighting really till he got to the AHL because he played in the USHL. Um, so it was the 1920 season. He only played. He only got 12 games for the Lightning, and then was sent down to Syracuse. But Luke Witkowski is a dude, um, definitely tough. And I'd, I, fuck, I'd love to get him on the show eventually. Um, but I was fortunate enough to see him play in Tampa. He's another energy guy. He is very. He's pretty solid at hitting. Fight wise, he's pretty decent. Um, I remember the last good, really good NHL fight I saw from him. Well, he had two of them. The one was with uh, was it Tanner Glass with the Rangers. And they were playing the Lightning. And, I mean, that was probably one of the longer fights I've seen in recent memory for hockey. Uh, I think that was as probably recent as, like, 2016, 2017, maybe. Um, excuse me. But so I remember that fight. Wachowski and Glass squared off. And Wachowski, of course, had the visor. Glass didn't at the time because of the, the veteran rule or whatever. That was That's the NHL has in place for some stupid reason. But he went there, tilted up, the, uh, tilted up his visor for Glass, and... He, him and Glass went for, uh, it was probably almost a minute. And like I said, for t- especially for today's standards, because most fights, it's either uh, throw two jersey jabs and, yep, and Nick Sealer, that's the one with the wild. That's exactly what I was getting to here in a sec, Anthony. Um, but most fights today, as you know, are just like a couple jersey jabs, throw two punches, fall down, and then can't wait to work out with you in the summer. It's like, what the fuck are we doing? Um, why, like, why even fight at that point? But that one was actually pretty good. And, um, you know, it was like they, they gave the good fight afterwards or whatever, but that fight was actually pretty solid. It was, you know, one of the center ice fights, the main event fights with Tanner Glass, and that one was a lot of fun to watch. And then, as Anthony pointed out, it was with Nick Sealer of the Wild. That was when, so Luke, it was funny, Luke went to, he was with Tampa, went to Detroit, then back to um, Tampa. So the one he had with Nick Sealer out in uh, Minnesota was, pretty solid it was toe to toe and then i i feel like they stopped a little bit earlier but you know their hands could have been hurting or something but that one was actually really good that was probably the most toe to toe fight you'll see in a lot of um in a lot of recent fights i guess and let's see what did old darren oh great darren at the fourth line voice coming here to scare off all the viewers all all four all four viewers um let's see i keep seeing the name nick ritchie the guy has 11 fights and 350 nhl games here so this is who people are holding out hope for yeah and that's why i use the term tough guy loosely at the beginning it's it's like this now unfortunately with how with how people or i shouldn't say people but how everybody perceives players if they fight and they do well in like three of them and they've had five career fights they're all of a sudden you know the the baddest kid on the block but um it's just today's standards. And like I, I try to leave a little more so some of those guys out. I try to get guys who have a, like a, a little bit of a better fight card here so we can um, actually have something a little bit more to discuss with everything. Like, who do I have next? The next guy I'll get to is fucking solid. I can't wait to talk about him. Um, but, yeah, I'll see. We'll have to see if Wachowski even gets ice time in the NHL. Um like I said, I think Eisman really likes to keep his his you know the the tough guys air quotes here, um, the tough guys down in 
um, the AHL as opposed to having them up in the big club. Even though he had him up a little bit with Tampa, had him up. Uh, I don't let's see. I don't think he was. The, no, he wasn't the GM of the um, Wings at the time when he got called back up. But we'll have to see if he even gets play time. I hope he does. You know, I hope all the best for um, Luke Witkowski because he's. I, I enjoyed him when when he played with Tampa. And when he would, he, like I said, he's a, he's a decent scrapper. He's nothing crazy. He's not Tony Twist, of course, but um, he's got, I think, more fights than most people do these days. So all the best to Luke Witkowski at Detroit. I hope he uh, can make something happen and hopefully gets a couple call-ups. So we'll have to see what happens with that. And I know Detroit's really lacking on some toughness, too. Uh, they had Adam Ernie, who unfortunately got absolutely buckled by, I think it was Gaudreau. Um, and Gaudreau's really not that big of a fighter. And Ernie, another former Tampa guy, but... Uh, <laughs> Goodrow just absolutely flattened him. That was one of the bigger knockouts I've seen in recent times as well. Um, so the next guy I'll talk about, and this is more so a minor league transaction. I highly doubt he gets any time in the AHL, but I'm really looking forward to um, seeing how he does in the AHL. Is uh, old McElrath who went to he got he went to Hershey, so now he's in the Capital System. So we'll have to see how that goes. I, I, I made a tweet when it first happened saying that I really hope that McElrath gets called up for some, sh- like, like, you know, the Rangers game that's happening. I hope McElrath gets called up for that shit and him and Wilson can just go around causing fucking havoc during the Rangers and Capitals game. Because I think that's supposed to be, the, I, I think the second day of the season is when they play and I think it's supposed to be a national broadcast game, so... Funny, the NHL, you know, says they don't like, or, you know, people think that fighting and shit doesn't sell or whatever, but why do you think the NHL matched those two up opening weekend or whatever, opening week of the NHL? Funny how that works. So, uh, again, we'll see what happens. The line brawl that happened with them wasn't really anything uh, spectacular. And I had some guy trying to tell me, oh, they really well, they really stood up to Wilson. And I was like, eh, did they? I mean, the dude who kind of, uh, kind of did it was like, eh. He, he fought Wilson, so props to him, but it wasn't like he beat the doors off of Wilson. So, um, I don't know. I made a tweet about that saying it's, it shows, you know, some teams still want toughness. And then uh, apparently that meant I was saying that all old school fights are back and the 80s has returned, but, you know, over exaggerating. So, whatever. There we go. Yeah, I don't know. I got a nice little. Uh, I got a smorgasbord down here. So we got Bush and we got Darren's favorite. I know he loves it so much as I had it on the last episode. Bush apple. Here we go. So we'll crack this one up and get going on this one. I know Darren was giving me shit for this. And, you know, I wasn't going to get it again. But then I was thinking, I was like, damn, I really, really wanted a Bush apple. So I went out and got another little pack of that. I was looking at the inventory for beer today and. Um, I bought a 24-pack over the weekend and a little, drank a little too much of that, and I needed to re-up the stock here. So, um, But yeah, we'll see with, with, with McElrath going. Um, he is one of the definitely the tougher dudes in hockey, and he actually had a really good fight with Brett Gallant, and I think I mentioned this with old Dr. Chris. I know Dr. Chris ain't in the... Uh, he's not going to be watching this, this show. He's going to be doing... Uh, I think he's driving this weekend or some shit like that. I think he's driving to Wyoming, that bastard, but yeah, fuck, I can't roll these sleeves up. Damn it, Swanson. This is Curtis Swanson's jersey, and I try to roll up the sleeves. He's got the fucking, got the sleeve inserts added here, so when I try to roll them up, they just go right back down. I guess that means I need to hit the fucking gym. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so McElrath had a really good fight with uh, Brett Gallant, and I think, and I know I've said it, 
Darren has said it, but Brett Gallant is probably the toughest dude in hockey right now. Um, him and his brother, honestly, him and Alex. So uh, McElrath had a really good fight with them, or excuse me, with him, uh, Brent Gallant. So we'll see how that goes if the capital, I doubt they choose to utilize him. Excuse me. Um, Apple and you and Sierra sync up your periods. Yeah, exactly, right? Um, apple, that's delicious. Just delicious. You know, I'll take another sip just for you, Darren. Got to make sure we're synced up, right? Um, but no, so I'm curious to see if they actually do call him up. I think if they do, it might be during the Rangers game. Um, I highly, highly doubt it, but we'll see what happens. But... Um, Anyways, we'll, I guess we'll move on to the next guy here. Let's see how... I think we're fucking... We're rolling right through this. Jesus Christ. Yeah, we're only 20 minutes in. Um, so, the big signing here, and this was like kind of the, the main event we'll talk about, is, of course, uh, Tenorti on the side with the Rangers, but the big signing that happened and that everybody's been talking about is Ryan Reeves to... <laughs> just to piss me off, how, do you, how much do you pay for 12 Bush? Oh, how much? Do, you know what, Darren? I saw it was actually it was a deal going on at Publix Day, the local grocery store. So for a 24 pack of Bush Light, you know, the nectar of the gods, as we call it around here, uh, 12 bucks, 12 bucks for that. And I think even the 24 pack of the apple that wasn't on sale still ran me only like, I, I think, 19 bucks. <laughs> so hopefully that pisses you off. Um you and your fucking Canadian beer up there, you got to go out and take a personal loan just to get a 12-pack. Um, but the big signing, of course, as mentioned, is Ryan Reeves to the New York Rangers. So that you know, it's funny. And, it's, you know, before I get into the trade, I have to laugh because everybody on Twitter just, you know, oh, nobody wants this. And, you know, to, you know, throughout the season, you'll see it. And if you're on Twitter, you'll totally know. And, of course, Anthony, you've seen it. I've seen it. Darren. Um you know, every oh, this, there's no place in hockey. This doesn't sell the game. And that one, you know, the lady that was on Hockey Night in Canada trying like eye roll and BX us saying this wouldn't. I think it was when the Rangers and the Capitals had their their line brawl. Oh yeah, just talking and oh, this isn't going to grow the game. This doesn't help grow the game. It's funny because the most talked about trade doesn't matter if it was Flurry or whoever else. The biggest talked about trade this fucking offseason was goddamn Ryan Reeves to the Rangers. And everybody's hyping it up now. Reeves and Wilson's got to go at center ice. And everybody's thinking it's going to be a bloodbath. I don't think so. They might go once because um, I know they're actually division. They're, they're in the same division. So we'll see how many times they actually go. But um yeah, so that was the big trade, and I laughed that everybody just says that you know, the, the, you know, nobody, nobody likes the fighting in hockey, and it doesn't, the 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 physicality doesn't sell the game. People just want to see goals. Yeah, um, <laughs> but that was literally seventy five jerseys will be all over MSG. I'll be, sh you know what? If he fights Wilson and he like gives a decisive victory, I guarantee Reeves is the best selling fucking jersey out at MSG. I guarantee it, Darren. Just like how when uh, when Bugard was with Minnesota. Now, obviously, Bugard is a a different caliber than Reeves, but still the same thing. Most sold Jersey in Minnesota. So I guarantee it. If Wilson and Reeves square off at, you know, center ice and Reeves decisively beats Wilson, I don't think they're going to be able to fucking press out enough fucking Reeves jerseys. So um, we'll see what happens with that. But like I said, I don't think it's going to be, you know, they're going to fight every time. It's just not, it's just not in it. And now people say, well, they didn't fight and they didn't fight during the, what was it the, I forget what fuck it, whatever year that the Capitals and 
Vegas got into the Stanley Cup Finals 2018, 2017. Um, well, they didn't fight then. Well, it's a little bit different atmosphere. You're in the Stanley Cup Finals. You're not going to try to fight as much because it's it's the Stanley Cup Finals. So you don't want to get an instigator, especially with today's rules. God forbid you jump in there a little early. You're getting an instigator, so you get a 10-2 and a 5. So have fun hitting the showers early. Excuse me, and you just put your team down. But So I, I don't think it's going to be like that. Now, they could go maybe twice this year. And again, these are two dudes. Let me. You know what? I'll pull it up just for shits and gigs. Let me see. I, Reeves maybe had four fights this last season. Um, fuck, here I am. I got to use goddamn hockey fights. I loathe this site. I'm in their fucking cat videos. But people just don't want to donate to the Steve's Drop Your Gloves, and that's what I'll tell you to go donate to right now. I'll give a, We'll take a quick break and say go to the GoFundMe that I post all the time on this goddamn group to go start a new Drop Your Gloves. doesn't matter if it's $1, $2, $1,000, whatever the case may be. We're trying to bring back a new Drop Your Gloves, and that is all led or leading the charge is Steve from WinProbertWasKing.com. So go check that out. We can get better fight cards and where you don't have to deal with garbage-ass hockey fights all the fucking time because that site is just... It's it's a shit show, and then the people who run it are fucking the one. They're greasy, and you know I'm not going to get into it. But I I know a couple people who absolutely fucking got screwed over by them. Um, so let's see Reeves fight card for this year, three fights, three fights this season. So people are expecting to see Reeves just Reeves and Wilson just go at it every game. It's just not going to happen. I'm sorry. And I, the shit part is is people New York fans who love the signing they're going to sit there and say. Um, well, why isn't Reeves fighting? Why isn't he doing this? Well, look at today's rules. You're not going to get a guy. I think the most fights this season was, I think, 12, maybe. And I know the most penalty minutes, and I just saw this earlier today, the most penalty minutes of this entire season was Tom Wilson. You know when he had? 93. 90 fucking three. He didn't even, nobody even broke 100 pims this year. It was him, Hathaway from the Capitals was on there, Pat Maroon was at the bottom with like 60. So nobody's even going to break 100 pimps. So what makes you think all of a sudden Reeves and Wilson are just going to sit there and start going toe-to-toe every single night? Because by, you know, every game they meet, goddamn, they'll be fight-leading people, or they'll, they'll lead the whole league in fights. Um, so Reeves had three total fights this year. I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen with them going toe-to-toe every night. It's just, it's just today's, you know, it's today's climate of game. And plus, there's 32 teams now. So the NHL itself killed rivalries because they added so many. Now, I did see a thing where the NHL did vote to um, – or well, the, not the NHL. The NHLPA took – it was the NHLPA poll. They came out and said that they don't want to do the same divisions as what just happened this past year where everything – they played the same division. But they do want to see series happen where, you know, okay, so if the Lightning play the Hurricanes, they play them, you know, three times in a row instead of they play the Hurricanes one night then go somewhere else. So I think that has the potential to create a little bit more rivalries. But then again, this year with how much you know, rivalries there were, even Ryan Reeves only had three fights. So um, we'll go ahead and take a look at Tom Wilson's fight card because I know he, I know he had he he had more than um, Reeves. I'm pretty sure, but how many he actually had, I I don't know. So let me see here. Tom Wilson fight card. Um, let's see. I say go the first game and after that. Uh, few and far between the hype will make it happen with Reeves and Wilson. Exactly. And, you know, I have buddies who are Capitals fans and they watch Wilson. Um, oh, here we go. Hold on. I got Wilson's fight card. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Wilson, four. So combined, they both have seven fights total. 
for the entire season. So all of a sudden, what makes it because, like, and I don't mean this in a bad way towards Reeves, but Wilson isn't out there just to fight all the time. And I know that's more so Reeves' job. I think Reeves is really the last true enforcer in the NHL, um, put on the ice strictly to be a physical presence as opposed to, you know, scoring goals because obviously he only put up one goal last season. So it would it wouldn't benefit Wilson in any way to go fighting Reeves every game just for the sake of people hyping it up and whatever happened. But you know, it's again Wilson fought four times, Reeves fought three. So it's just it's just not gonna happen where they're gonna go toe to toe every single night, and people are gonna get start getting pissed with again Ranger fans because they think that this is just gonna happen every night. They're gonna start shitting on Reeves. Oh, well, what the fuck do we get Reeves for when he only fights once because Wilson's, you know, got got the red light from from the coach, and I forget who the Capitals coach is, so I apologize. Um, but he's got red light from the coach saying don't fucking go him uh, until some dumb shit happens. So I just I don't see it happening with Reeves and Wilson going. You know, I'll say, I'll say max they go three times. Um, I think they'll go at least once, but during this entire season, I think they they go three times. That'll, that'll be the max, and that'll it's funny because that'll probably be the most two guys have gone all season, or that'll be the most times two guys have fought in the same season. And fuck, how long? I can't even remember. Um, I can't remember the last time any guy anybody went three times in the same season. So. Um, that's that's if I was a bet man, that's what I would say. Um, and if anybody has any questions they'd like to ask during these live, um, Peter Lavulette, thanks, thanks, Wider, what a swell guy you are. Uh, you know, Lavulette, I know Lavulette likes the physical shit because, of course, he coached the Flyers when they were uh, they still had some tough dudes rolling around. So we'll we'll see, but I, I'm sure he'd rather you know Wilson, the guy they're paying five mil a season for, would rather be a. Um, you know, a, a guy on the ice rather than in the box all the time, especially fighting a guy like Reeves. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way to Reeves. It's just Wilson is the better caliber player if we're calling a square square here. So um, does opening night happen and there's some sparks flying? I think possibly we could see a, a potentially like what that ha- uh, what happened in the, the previous meeting with them. And I know the Rangers went out and picked up Tenorti as well. And Tenorti is a, a tougher dude looking at his fight. He's fought Wilson twice. Um, didn't do too bad during uh, his fights with Wilson. I think he also fought Matt Mar- uh, excuse me, Matt Martin recently. So, um, you know, we'll see. And I know that, but it, it just goes to show that no matter how much the game tries to, you know, go to the finesse way and, you know, no fighting, no hitting, eventually it'll creep its way back in a little bit. I, it's, and I know uh, Doug Smith had said this might be, you know, the – the, the changing of the guard for the NHL where it might be back to the arms race of the enforcer. And I think to a certain extent, Doug is right. And I don't think there's going to be the pure enforcer. That's just not a thing anymore. You know, you're not going to get, um, you know, like a link gates or anybody out there, obviously um, in today's game, you got in today's game. You got to play the play with the black thing a little bit. Um, so like you might get Ryan Reeves, but then again, Ryan Reeves didn't really fight in junior. He fought a lot more coming up in the AHL. So, um, Jordan Sweet Pro Lab jersey. Thanks, it's Curtis Swanson's. Like I said, the fucker there. Uh, you know, I try to roll up the sleeves because it gets a little hot in here. But fucking Swanee added the goddamn sleeve extension, so it makes the sleeves bigger when he's fighting. So I can't. Re- I have to like roll it up, and it's just maybe I need to go to the gym to get bigger arms because my arms don't fill up the sleeves. <laughs> um, 
Let's see, Anthony, there's too much media and writers. And yes, fuck, speaking of Ken Campbell, just sewer and all the NHL just allows this garbage to happen because they don't clean it up. And, you know, if anybody here knows about Ken Campbell, and I know Anthony, you do, Darren, you do, he's just an absolute fucking weasel and he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. And again, for somebody who is so in touch with the hockey news and what do you put the fucking, oh, the senior scribbler at the hockey, the hockey news and just for being so close to the game, you'd think he'd have some sort of, you know, grasp on why the hell the, the NHL still has fighting in. And it's because the players want it. They vote every year to keep it in the game. So I don't know what Ken Campbell can't grasp about that. And I know he was all up in arms that it's just, um, it's just, just ridiculous that the Rangers still have to do this because a guy like Reeves shouldn't be in the NHL. And it's just like, oh, fuck, shut up, Ken. Um, but, yeah, that was an absolute shit show. I, I got to see that the other night and fucking – I think a few people called out Ken on his bullshit. And then you get like, you know, Penguins fan 23. Oh, yeah, just, oh, Ken just nailed it right on the head. And it's like, ugh, why? Like, just, and it's like the Penguins writer and people who've never been around the game. And I'm not saying, me, myself, I'm no expert. I've never been around a professional level, like, style of hockey. I play really shitty fucking D-League, beer league hockey. Um, but I like to think I'm educated enough considering that, uh, you know, I've interviewed quite a few people and talked with players plenty of times to uh, think I have a decent grasp of what's going on and why there's fighting in hockey. So, uh, you know, it's the whole reason we started the podcast. I did, Darren did, and Joe did. So, uh, but yeah, well, Ken Campbell was just up in arms about Ryan Reeves. So we'll see what happens. I think there could be some potential spark the opening night. And then after that, it's going to, I think as it progresses, it's just, it's just going to like, you know, fizzle out more and more unless you know Wilson or, or Reeves wants to kind of play fuck around but I highly doubt it so we'll see what happens like I said maybe maybe opening night there's you know three fights uh I, I don't know if we'll see the line brawl like we saw uh, earlier in the year which even the line brawl was like eh, it was it was all right I mean it was cool to see I remember I watched the game I had it on I was like oh I'll just turn it on just to see if anything happens I, I you know as we used to say in the military, expect the worst, hope for the best. So I was like, I remember I was looking down at my phone before the puck even dropped because I was like, this is just going to be stupid. And sure as shit, they actually dropped the gloves. So, I mean, it was cool to see. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the, the dudes fighting kind of didn't know what they, I don't want to say they didn't know what they were doing, but they're not masters at their craft like a guy like Reeves or Wilson or Martin. So uh, the fights were all right. They weren't anything to write home about. I think the the brawl between the Devils and the Rangers back in the day was a lot better. Um, so... We'll see. We'll, we'll see how it goes. And let's see. Kevin says Philly picked up Sealer and signed Morin and also Ristolainen. Is the Metro going to be the toughest? Um, well, Ristolainen is all right. Sealer, uh, Sealer's pretty decent from for today's standards. I think Morin out of those guys is probably the toughest. Um, let me see. Let me see what his fight card looks like. Um, let's see here of what he had last season. Sam Morin's a guy I didn't have down, but I've seen people talk about him. So let's take a look at Sam Morin for the Flyers. Here we go. So last year he had two fights in the NHL, one fight in fucking, there we go, hockeyfights.com and their fucking ads. What a garbage-ass fucking site. Uh, he did fight Ross Johnson. If I remember right, I, I think he um, I think he took out Johnston, or he one-punched him. Um, and not one-punched him, but I think he knocked him out. Here we go. Let's, let's pull the fight up here. Here we go. We'll get a live fight going here. Fuck. Oh, 
I'll, I'll, I'll be I'll be completely honest. Sammy Morin's a guy I don't know too too much about, but here he goes with uh, Ross Johnson. This is uh, at center ice against the Islanders. Oh yeah, he tagged him. He definitely tagged him. He had an overhand right and tagged him. Now John or Johnston got right back up, but it, I mean it was a decent fight. So I mean that's uh, that's a good one to put on your fight card at least is Ross Johnston, um, because he's I know he's the kind of up and comer for um, you know um, the Islanders. So we'll see if he actually gets. I know he's kind of in and out of the lineup quite a bit. Um, let's see. See this. Here's my problem. I have it's just like his fight card. Let's see, throughout the seasons, it's four, one, three, one, one, three, one. Most fights he had in a single season is nine, and that was in the AHL. So let's see if we fought that year. Maybe if Hockey Fights wants to load and not be... Oh, of course, I've got this fucking site. I, got, I fucking hate Hockey Fights. HockeyFights.com, not Hockey Fights. But if anybody who's ever used that site now, especially compared to the old days, will know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, so that season he had nine. Let's see. Johnston missed games after that. How many games did he miss, Kevin? By I mean, if you know, if you know. Oh, so yeah, he fought. He fought Johnston back in that. Or what, what year was this? Um, back in the 16-17 season, he fought Johnston again. And a lot of these guys. Oh, he fought Sestito. Okay. So he's got you know a decent decent fight card for today's standards. We'll say. Um, let's see. Fifteen sixteen. He had. Let's see, Liam O'Brien, I know that name, Sestito again. So, I mean, yeah, for today's standards, I'd put Morin up there. He's not terrible. Um, it's not like he's taken on, uh, you know, absolute killers, but for you to drop Johnson in today's standards, I think that's pretty solid. So, uh, I know I'd like to see, I hopefully, because, um, you know, all this, these teams, especially in the Metro, are kind of stacking up a little bit. You got Reeves and Tenority and then Wilson and, uh, you know, maybe McElrath. Uh, Jordan, you might have missed it earlier. I definitely I touched on I touched on Brett and Alex Gallant earlier. Um, I'll, I'll I'll get to Brett here in a second because I you know he has a feat that was accomplished that um, is pretty cool, especially in today's hockey. So I definitely touched on that earlier. But I said I, I mentioned Brett and Alex how they were probably the toughest two dudes in hockey, and how um, McElrath was a guy who took on Brett, actually cut Brett open in the fight. I, I'd probably score the edge to Brett, but I think. Um, McElrath landed a solid blow to him and was able to cut him open. So that was pretty solid. Um, and McElrath is not going to, you know, I don't put him in the same category quite as Brett and Alex, but he's right there. McElrath is definitely a fucking good dude to uh, watch scrap. So uh, watch the KUMJHL KO fight. All right, Anthony, let me see what we got here. We'll see what kind of fight we see in the queue. Oh, Lord, the fucking queue. Um, that league, that league just absolutely shits on the fucking, on fighting now. Sam Morin fight, or excuse me, Sam Morin. We'll do fight KO. See if that'll come up. Well, well, concerning this guy's. Oh, here we go. It's all French. Sorry, everybody. Uh, versus Kurt Eschigary. Uh, I don't know who the fuck that is. I mean, he's definitely, he's got size on him, that's for sure. He's swinging with the right hand. He ain't throwing any lefts yet, absolute rights. Still throwing rights. The other guy's not throwing too much. He's got, <laughs> Moore's got a lot of size on him. There it is. Oh, yeah. Just over with the right hand, got him. So, 
I mean, you know, he was actually, he fought, let me see, I, I did see he had some a decent amount of fights in the queue, and I know, especially with today, um, let's see, queue, three, I don't know, maybe not too, too much, one, I mean, so he's fought four, one, one, three, one, three, so I mean, he's probably got a grand total of about 30 fights under his belt, so there's Sam Morin, so we'll see, we'll see how that goes for the Flyers, I mean, hopefully it works out, I know the Flyers are really fucking lacking toughness, so, if Sam Morton actually gets some ice time and they let him do his thing, I think it'll be pretty solid. Uh, Jimmy Bonneau, uh, Bonneau was really fucking good, too. Yeah, I'm a huge Bonneau fan. Um, so the next guy I'll talk about, since you actually brought it up, Jordan, and I believe this is what who's next on my, my list here. Um, and this is the last guy I'm talking about, although I can keep this podcast going. I don't give a shit. I'm just here to drink beer and talk hockey fights. So that's... Um, you know, that's what we're here for. So Gallant actually signed another year in Cleveland. Now, does he actually get called up to Columbus? I doubt it. He hasn't been. I can't remember when his last call up was. I know it was, I know he had a call up with the Islanders for a little bit. Um, let me see if I can look it up here. But Brett Gallant is probably the toughest dude in hockey today. If, you know, if we're, we're really looking at fighters, even at the NHL, AHL level. Um, so it was the 13-14 season. He got a whopping four games for the Islanders, and it's it's so funny. You see his PIM totals, and you see how like how much the game has changed. So you're looking at it, and of course he was in the queue for uh, St. John, and he had 192 PIMs, 170 uh, excuse me, 175, and then he was with the MJHL, and he had 235, and then AHL. So I'll get I'll give you this the stats so you can really see how much fighting has gone down. So the, I'll start the stat at 2013-2014 with Brett Gallant, 202 pims. Next year, 255. He managed to get 17 pims for the Islanders when he was um, when he was called up. So I know he got a couple. I think I remember if he got one or two fights while he was actually called up. Um, next year for the Sound Tigers, 14-15, 247 pims. Following year, really drops off. 151 next year 128 and here's where it really really like after that season 2016 2017 really goes down 17 18 66 the highest season he's had since then was 1920 with 80 penalty minutes so it's just funny to see how far um how far the like the the fighting has gone down even at the AHL level because I know they put in that fight rule so it's it's just funny to see it. And like I said, I think Tom Wilson was the most penalized player this past season in the NHL with like, fuck, 93. Um, and I agree. I, I think Brett Gallant should have gotten looked at more. He's probably the toughest student in hockey now. Um, jungle is getting wiped out for sure. Yes, it is. That's what I said with the ECHL. Since I'm down here um, in Fort Myers, I'd like to go to a lot of the Everblades games that are coming up. Um he, or excuse me, not he, uh, but they have like Kyle Newber, Arvin Atwell's gone, uh, Cody Soul. I'm not sure if they're going to re-sign him or if he's going to sign a contract. I know they let a contract out for Newber, but I'll be curious to see if he even signs it. So even in the ECHL, it's really going down. I know Garrett Hunt was rolling around a little bit with um, Wheeling this past season. So it's funny, you just see how, like, like these guys, even the fighters, their pims just go, because guys just get less and less every year. So it's getting cut off in junior, so the pipeline's cut off at that point, and there's nobody else to come up and start fighting, because they're not just going to start fighting out of nowhere because they're in the coast of the, the NHL. They might have the occasional tilt, but it's not going to be like when junior, where guys were really, really good at it, and it was necessary. So it's going to be, it's it's crazy to think that the most penalized player, um, 
Rashawn, and you're definitely right. The league is soft now, 100%. Um, but it's just crazy to see how how far the Pims have come, and especially after that that uh, what year was it? Was it the 2012 lockout? I think that was when it really like after that. I think 2014 was like the last solid season for for tough guys in the NHL. Um, I think McGratton was still playing then, um, but it was definitely on its way out, and it was funny. Um, let's see how our LNH plays out this year. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to see how the LNH goes. And that's another league, too. And I talked about this last episode, even that league, too, because no guys are fighting anymore. So it's like I I don't see the league having a lot of fighters even in the next five years. Yeah, you're going to get guys who are probably willing and they'll still do the whole. Uh, you got fucking Duhast playing on the loudspeakers. They drop the buckets and they might throw three punches and fall down. But there's just, you know, they're willing, which props to them. But it's just not going to be like uh Excuse me. We'll just say the bossy, uh, morasty era of the LNH is over. I think the last solid year for the LNH was 2014, 2015. And that was when Morasty and Terrio were really on their way out and um, given given a, given a solid go at it, at least to, uh, you know, please the fans and go out swinging. So we'll see how it goes with the LNH. But it's, it's every league now at this point, like I said, especially with juniors. And that's why I was kind of happy to get in this season with the ECHL because I think you know, all the tough guys are really on their way out. So we'll have to see how how much that they fight. And I know a guy um, who listens to the show, can't say his name, but he's a really tough dude, fought a lot in the uh, the Federal Hockey League, told me that he might be signing with the Everblades. It's not confirmed yet, so he might be going uh, to do something else back home. So we'll see what happens. But if he does sign with the Everblades, that'll be a whole lot of fun to watch him for sure. Um, and you know, we'll definitely have to grab some beers and I know you're listening, bud. So hopefully, uh, if you do end up signing, we can go down and grab some beers somewhere, catch a game. And, uh, hopefully I can watch you drop the fucking gloves. Let me go ahead and refill here. I did see that Breck Gallant, you know, speaking of him. And I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, I might have, but he is the most official. He has officially the most penalty minutes um, in franchise history for the Cleveland Monsters. He passed, um, I forget who was in second place, but I think it was Patrick. I know Patrick Bordalo was in there, and Bordalo was a tough motherfucker. Um, but he passed him and somebody else in order to get that that uh, title this season that just passed. And he got a one-year extension, so we'll see if he, I, again, it's unfortunate. I doubt he gets called up, but I think uh, he'll at least be throwing down a little bit. And uh, you know what? I'll, I'll actually look at his fight card after this and just see how much he's fought or how much he hasn't fought, I guess, in recent years. And like I said, I know McElrath actually gave him a really good fight. So um, thanks, Kevin. I appreciate you tuning into the podcast and cheers to you too as well, bud. Um, but we'll have to see how, how much fighting Brecklon actually does anymore. Um, it's funny to see, and I think his, I love his brother. I was, he was with the Syracuse crunch. I was hoping like a motherfucker that the lightning were going to call, uh, Alex Gallant up cause he was with the crunch and their system, but he, um, it, they never called him up. And I, I got to see, I went to like one preseason game one year with, uh, Gallant there and nothing happened. I, I thought for sure he was going to fight. But he didn't, um, and it was actually one of the most boring. It was funny. You go to preseason games. You think preseason is supposed to be the, uh, you know, the time guy. Well, at least it used to be when guys would fight and try to get their roster spot. Oh my god, this was probably the most boring fucking, <laughs> boring preseason game I've ever been to. So, yeah, you really look at it. His past, just the past two years. So for the nineteen twenty season and the twenty twenty one season, uh, Gallant has had a grand total of. 
five fights is <laughs> all he's got is five. So that sucks. Uh, like it's getting less and less. And even you go back to about 14, 15, he had 17, um, 13, 14. Oh, so he had three NHL fights that year, but he had 21 in the AHL. So he fought 21 times in the AHL and then three in the NHL, which is pretty fucking funny. Um, Trying to see if I could see who he fought in the NHL. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, congrats to him at least for getting the penalty minute record. And like I said, he's one of the last few tough guys rolling around a bit here. And uh, we'll see how many more years him or his brother fight, uh, or I should say play. But, you know, like I said, he had three fights that season. So, the and it's even, and again, not, not to sound like a broken record, but this goes back to what I was saying with Reeves and Wilson. So, Breck Gallant, maybe it helps that he's the toughest dude in hockey, but three fights all season, um, you know, and Reeves with three fights, Wilson with four. So, how many times do you think they're really going to fight during the season? It's unfortunate. I don't mean to sound like Debbie Downer about it, but how many times do you think they're actually going to fight? Um, so, we'll see. But anybody else have any other topics to throw out there? I mean, it's fucking Saturday night. It's only 1030. We got fucking time to kill. So, um that's pretty much all I have in terms of, you know, guys to talk about. There really isn't too many more. Unfortunately, with tough guys, there isn't really many of them rolling around here anymore. So um, we had uh, Curtis Gabriel to Toronto, McDermott to Colorado, Witkowski to Detroit, McArath to Hershey, Tenorti and Reeves to the Rangers, and then Glant signed another year in Cleveland, and he also managed to rack up the most penalty minutes in franchise history. So, I mean... That's really, I, I hate to say it, but that's all all we got with uh, tough guys anymore. You I mean, uh, you know, people can say what they want about Gabriel, but this is, you might as well enjoy it while it lasts because this is all you got. You People complained how much they miss fighting in hockey. Then when Gabriel goes out and fights, oh, well, he's just being a bitch or a pussy and this and that. It's like, well, pick which one. Do you want, do you want fighting in hockey or do you not want fighting in hockey? It's like everybody wants it. And I know, I know Darren talked about it um, to... Uh, one of his episodes, in one of his episodes, he was saying how uh, it's like fight fans like to. Ha- it's like they want fights, but they only want it in certain terms. It's got to be like all the abide by the mythical code, and then it's got to be this and that. And guys can't do this leading up to the fight. They can't, you know, you know no buckets or some shit like that. Even though there's an additional two minutes if you drop your bucket today. Um, let's see. Kevin said, "I went to a Philly Tough Guys event." Three years ago, and Brown, Schultz, Nyland, O'Reilly, DuPont, plus others were there, and they played the Montreal uh, pregame brawl and full commentary. Amazing event. That's tremendous. And, you know, I, I've said it before, and I was fortunate enough to go on his show, and I was fortunate enough to have him on mine. But Chris Nyland, um, you know, not only is he, is he my favorite player, but I'm very happy I can call him a friend. Um, and I was fortunate enough to visit him. And I actually remember that event. He sent me a picture of him and Dave Brown together at that. And I got a kick out of that. It's funny because you see that. If anybody's ever seen that picture of Nylon and Brown in that pregame uh, brawl, per se. Uh, well, wait, I should say per se. It was a fucking brawl. I'm so used to having to add shit after, after anything. Because you got to kind of like put an asterisk next to it with today's standards. But that pregame brawl between Philly and Montreal. And that picture of it's Dave Brown's got no fucking tarp on and Nyland's just like, he's looking at him. He's kind of wide eyed a little bit like, Oh shit. And I remember, uh, so I, I got to talk to Nyland about that actually. And he had told me he could barely play that game because the, the, of course the brawl lasted so long, but not only did the brawl last long, he was fighting Dave fucking Brown, who was arguably at the time, probably the toughest dude in the NHL. Um, 
because before Probert, it was pretty much between Dave Brown and um, Ben Wilson. So Nyland said he could barely hold his stick that game because he was so tired from trying to grab on or like just clutching on it like for dear life uh, against a shirtless, uh, jerseyless Dave Brown. So he said he could barely play that game. He remember, he, it was like the most sore he's ever been after a hockey game or the most tired he's ever been even playing it because he had to do that whole brawl prior to the the actual game being played. So um, that was funny. It's cool to get like a little inside. And I'm sure he probably mentioned that in the event as well, but it's cool to get like a little inside, uh, you know, information like that. So, uh, yeah, yeah, could you imagine a pregame brawl now? I know if anybody's going to do it, it might be Curtis Gabriel. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure a brawl won't actually happen because God forbid the NHL has a you know, pregame brawl. That would just be insane. Uh, and media would just be all over it. And, uh, but Curtis Gabriel likes to chirp a lot in the, in the warmup. So hopefully he brings that to Toronto with him. But yeah, that Nylon and Brown pregame brawl was awesome. You just won't see, you you just won't see shit like that ever again. And I mean, maybe a pregame brawl, maybe that's for better. You don't see it. Um, let's see. He said Brownie had welts on his body from Nylon grabbing him. Oh, I don't doubt it either, because like I said, Nylon was just holding on for dear life. From what he told me, he was like like I said, he could barely hold a stick because he was just grabbing Brown the entire time. So you got to think like you're your hands, you're clinching them that tight for so long. Cause I, at that point with Dave Brown, with no Jersey, it's gotta be like riding a fucking bull. So you're sitting there just holding on for dear life, trying to throw punches, try not to get punched because of course, Dave Brown, the lefty is just going to try to come over the pipe. And there was no, um, there was no mythical code with Dave Brown. That's for sure. You weren't going to get, you know, a, Oh, good, f- good, good fight, buddy. Good fight after, <laughs> after fighting Dave Brown. So, um, yeah, that was a sight to see. And if anybody out there has never seen that, please just look up uh, uh, what year. I think it was 87. I could be wrong, but I want to say it was 87 uh, Flyers and um, Canadians pregame brawl. And I, I've posted the picture before, and it's a little bit blurry because it's a still shot from a video. But even after um, even after that that series, you still see Nylon and Brown shake hands after it. So that's kind of that's kind of cool. Um, it's funny, Nyland always said, he told me too, it's funny with with Dave Brown because Dave Brown, when he would talk, and I'm sure a lot of people have seen it in the um, the, the infamous like Dave Brown and Tim Hunter video, but Nyland said it was always funny when, when Dave Brown would kind of chirp people because Brown's voice is just a little bit higher, so, um, and you could hear it in that, that uh, you know, back and forth he has, or the back and forth exchange he has with uh, Tim Hunter, and he's, you know, kind of, hey, Timmy! And so Nylon said he's always like try not to laugh when when Dave Brown was chirping him or something because you know he didn't want to piss Dave Brown off obviously because it's it's Dave Brown but at the same time he just had that higher voice so it just naturally came out kind of funny so uh, that was really funny to hear and it just makes me laugh because then you go back to that Tim Hunter and he's like you got them fucking gloves cemented on eh or you know shit like that so um, it's just uh, it, it's funny to see how how much the game has changed but at the same time you know chirping is always a part of hockey and it's fun it's just i think there might be too much chirping now and a lot less action so we'll leave it at that i guess um let me let me get a couple swigs here but if anybody else has any other topics feel free to go ahead and throw it out there um let me see how long we've been going here oh we've been going on for almost an hour we're doing pretty solid i'd like to get at least an hour out of this when i'm uh, doing this with people so those who those who do comment i do appreciate it um and I know, you know, at 1045 at night on a Saturday, there's probably better things you could do than just listen to me talk about hockey fights. But seriously, for those that do turn in or excuse me, that do uh, tune in, I do appreciate it. 
Um, let's see. Hex doll was contained in dressing room by Mike Keenan. So yes, I remember, I remember hearing that story. I think, uh, it was on, well, maybe it was on the, one of the spit and chicklets show when hex doll was on there. And he, I remember he talked about that and he said he got, he was contained by Keenan. So he didn't get suspended. Um, and Rashawn Reese, he said nineties was great for fighting. Uh, and yes, it was. The 90s I, I, is arguably my favorite era of hockey, and I'm probably biased because I grew up watching it. Um, I was born in 96, so that's the hockey I kind of remember first starting watching. Uh, Jesus, check out the head on that one. Oh, thanks, 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 Jay, you fucking bastard. You know, I hope you got a delicious bush light, uh, you know, flowing in you right now. I'm sure you probably had some of your, your frou-frou craft beers with, um, <laughs> you know, with blueberries and uh, sandalwood flavor bison like yeah fuck off darren um but yeah so the 90s was probably my favorite era of hockey and I, again i'm biased and I, I i really grew up watching the 90s per se no because from as far back as i can remember is probably about 98 99 is when i start kind of you know it's fuzzy still but i remember watching hockey at least um and you know growing up with the mallards around in quad city that was what we'd go to but um i always think the 90s and the early 2000s kind of had that the best blend of that speed and skill that everybody raves about today but it also still had the physicality the hitting and the fighting and it was a lot more prevalent then so that's why i'm always uh i always fancy the 90s a lot more than uh most eras and if you ever see me post fights typically it's a lot more 90s or like post 90s stuff just because it's what i know um and then of course the lnh just because i fucking love the lnh uh anthony asked what tough guys have you met so I have met just uh, just two um, in person before, and uh, of course the one being Chris Island, excuse me, Chris and Island. And like I said, I got to do an actual episode where uh, I talk about my visit with him, um, and I, I was fortunate enough to actually meet him and go visit him up in Montreal. So I'm gonna do a full episode on that eventually because if I started talking about that now, we're gonna be here for another fucking two hours because I can just go and just. Nylon in a whole or as a whole can just be talked about for a hot minute, especially considering he's my favorite um, player of all time. But one thing that did come out of me uh, talking with Chris Nylon, uh, it was like one of the last days I was there. I think it was like the second to last day I was there. I forget. We were talking about fighting and I'd brought up. Uh, he was acting about. I think he might ask who did I like watching in Tampa? And I mentioned Andre Juan. He's like Andre Juan. He's like, uh, uh, you know. Are you serious? I said, yeah, Andre Y. Like he was a, you know, one of the uh, the enforcers. <laughs> Sorry, as a, you know, f- folks, folks listening to this and not watching this who aren't involved. I'm just laughing at Darren or not Darren uh, Jay's comment. The beard is similar to a bison too. Need the Flintstones order of the water buffalo hat. That's fucking great. Um, <laughs> I'll have to get one of those. You know what? I'm gonna f- I'll try to find one and I'll fucking bring it to you in Iowa this winter. I'll do that for you, Jay. You better make me a goddamn delicious steak too. I'm expect I'm expecting five star service when I get there, you know. The fi- only the coldest of bush light for me when I when I arrive. Um, but yeah, so when I was with Nylon, I was fortunate enough to ma- I brought up Andre Wan. He was like, "Oh, I know Andre Wan," and literally, the, like I guess you know, perfect timing. Uh, couldn't have timed it any better. When I was going back to Tampa, I lived in Tampa at the time. So when I was flying back there, I, um, or excuse me, when Nylon had talked to Andre Wall. I got to talk to Andre Wall on the phone and was like, oh yeah, I'm a huge fan of yours. You know, uh, loved watching you in Tampa. And he's like, oh, that's awesome. He's like, when do you be back? And I said, um, I said, oh, I go back and you know, in two days, I think it was. 
He's like, oh, I'll be, I'll be in the area then too. I said, are you serious? He's like, yeah, because they were doing, because he works with, um, whether I think it's TSN or RDS up there, and he does work for, um, like the Quebec uh, side of stuff. So they were covering French players at the same time, uh, with the Lightning. So he was covering all the French players like Yanni Gord and stuff like that for the Lightning, and. It just so happened that when I was going back, he was going to be there at the same time to cover those players. So he's like, oh, we got to meet up and do something. I said, okay, cool. That, that, you know, that's fucking awesome. Like, holy shit. So that same week I was, I got to meet Chris Nyland, you know, my favorite player of all time. And then I got to meet Andre Waugh, my favorite lightning player of all time. And I met up with Andre Waugh at the, we went to some bar. It was up in Orlando. So I had to drive a little bit because he was like, oh, I'm in Orlando tonight. And he was like, do you want to do something? I was like, I mean, I, was, I, I wasn't expected to do anything. He's like, well, I'd feel bad if you just, you know, come up here and, um, you know, you shake my hand, we meet, and then you're off in 15 minutes. I was like, what, well, do you want to grab some fucking beers? And he's like, sure. So I said, okay, cool. So we go up there and I brought my buddy, my buddy with, uh, uh, from the Marine Corps was visiting at the time. So I said, you want to go meet a hockey fight? And he's like, he's just into MMA and fighting. So he's like, sure. So I, I, of course, I'm prepping him. I'm sitting there. We're on the couch and I'm streaming all the fucking Andre Waugh fights on the TV, getting my buddy all hyped up to go meet him. So he's like, oh, this dude's fucking badass. I said, yeah, we're going to fucking meet Andre Waugh. This is going to be so cool. So we go up there and, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty like decently sized dude. You know, I'm probably wider than I am tall at this point. Uh, you know, thanks a lot. And probably attributed to this, but so I'm, you know, six, one, two sixty. So I go up there and I, and I text Andre Y. I said, Hey, but Hey, when we're here, he said, okay, cool. He's like, um, give me like five minutes. And so I said, okay. Cause I, I, he had his dad there. So they were having dinner or something and he gets done with dinner and he gets up and this dude stands up and I, like, I don't have to look up at people that often, but I look up and I'm like, holy fuck. And, um, so there he is, Andre Wall just sitting there at the fucking, uh, or he was at a table and he gets up. He's like, I'll, I'll meet you at the bar in like five minutes. I said, okay, shook his hand. And I, I do have small hands. Admittedly, I have, I have smaller hands compared to most men. Um, and this dude just had fucking bear paws on him. And I was like, holy shit. Cause I never met him before. And I'd only, I, you know, I just grew up seat watching him play. And I, I was a huge Andre Wall fan. So we ended up sitting at the bar for, man, I mean, it was so cool of him. Cause he sat at the bar with us for like, two and a half hours and I mean we had the like the tall draft beers we were just crushing beers and I try my best when I'm doing this because of course obviously I love hockey fights I love enforcers it's the whole reason for the podcast the the enforcer appreciation group we're in now right I try my best not to sit there and just fucking hammer him with questions because I'm like you know I don't want to be that fanboy oh my god Andre what was it like doing this what was it like doing that and blah 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 and um so I try not to hammer him with too many questions, but it was a whole lot of fun. And uh, he, he was such a cool dude, and he took an interest in me and my buddy. He loved that we were in the Marine Corps, and he was asking what we did, and we got to show him a couple of videos. He's like, oh, my God, that's fucking awesome. And so um, I will I will say a couple of fight questions I did ask him were, um, let's see. I asked him if he actually liked the role. So Andre Wah himself said he doesn't like – um, the buildup to the fight, like, you know, when you're, you, you're waiting to see who's in the lineup, if you might have to fight that guy where you kind of, you know, they fight a guy in their head X amount of times leading up to the fight, the buildup to it. But he said the actual fighting, he actually loved it. It was just more so stressful leading up to it. But once he got it over with, he loved it and he actually enjoyed the fight. Um, so that was pretty cool. And I, you know, it was, of course, this won't get out to the public because it's just my dumbass on a fucking microphone. But he did say guys like Vinny LeCavalier and shit like that missed the old game and miss how it was. So that was kind of cool to hear a little bit of inside info like that. Um, and, of course, if somebody hears this down the road and they're like, Vinny, did you say this? I mean, are they actually going to believe me? I don't know. I don't give a shit. But I'm just telling telling you what I heard from Andre Wall. Um, 
So that was cool. And the same week, I did get to meet Andre Waugh and Chris Nyland in the same week. So for me, that was like it was it was the most surreal experience ever. And so I'm forever thankful for, uh, you know, Chris Nyland for doing that for me because he ended up hooking, hooking it up with Andre Waugh. And Andre ended up coming later or excuse me, coming on my podcast later on once I started up. So um, if you're listening, you can hear my episode. And this is your first time, you know, tuning in uh, and you want to look at the back catalog. I have episodes with Andre Waugh. And Chris Nyland, so I've and I went on Chris Nyland's show in uh, Montreal, not while I was up there, but um, I got to call in up there to TSN six ninety, and I have that episode on. It's the one right after. I think it's like a Chris Nyland two I labeled it, so you can hear me talk about that. But yeah, Andre Waugh is a huge human being, um, and he's still big to this day too. He's still like pretty, I, I think, decently fit. So he was a lot of fun. He's an absolute character. He's a fucking riot. I remember the first like. Excuse me. Within the first ten minutes of me on that, or um, the first ten minutes of us doing that podcast, I I was already in like tears because he's just a fucking just a funny dude. So those are the only two enforcers I've ever met was Chris Nyland and uh, Andre Wa. I've never really met any other enforcer besides that, and I've had interactions with someone you know here on Facebook and then Twitter. Um, so that those are the only two I've actually met. Let's see. Kevin says, Dave Schultz is hanging out my bar for a promo, and I ran home and grabbed my Schultz fight tape and played it at the bar. And he went through all the fights and told me every story about every fight. Um, amazing. That's awesome. I would love it. You know, I've always wanted to do that, and I know um, I think it was Cam Cam Jansen does it where he kind of breaks down some of those fights, but I'd love to sit down with the guy and somehow, you know, like you say, play the fights and kind of break break down the fights of what it was like and, like, why you, they might have grabbed here or why they didn't throw a punch there at that time or something like that. I think that'd be a whole lot of fun. Um, so that's pretty cool though. And Oh, and one, one thing I did ask an Island too. Now I'm thinking about it is the toughest guy. He says, you ever fought. I know that's a, a common question. People like to ask enforcers. I try not to ask it ever on my podcast because I know a lot of these guys probably get that question over and over again. It's constantly a, um, you know, who's the toughest guy you fought. And they probably get that every other time they're, they're out somewhere. Um, but I did happen to ask that to Chris Nyland, and he said the toughest guy he fought personally for him was Terry O'Reilly, just because he had to fight him so many times. So uh, and he did pretty pretty decent against O'Reilly. There's one fight. Um, I actually have a video on my YouTube if you look it up. Chris Nyland versus um, or no, was it? It's Chris Nyland talks about fighting Terry O'Reilly and Stan Jonathan. He fought both of them in the same game. Imagine that. Could you could you imagine fighting Terry O'Reilly and Stan fucking Jonathan in the same uh, same game? And he talks about it. it was a very he's you know he was a rookie that year and it was a very big learning experience for him. So it was. Um, he said he he probably didn't win the fights, but it was definitely an eye opener for him that you know he could actually do it. So um, we will, or excuse me, so he can, you know, you can listen to that and see what Nyland kind of thought about fighting uh, Stan Jonathan and Terry O'Reilly in the same game, which is funny. And I forget who, he, who his teammate was, but I think it was Stan Jonathan that cut, cut Nyland open. And Nyland goes to, like, wipe the blood, and it's on the jersey. And I guess one of his teammates looks over at Nyland and is like, hey, don't wipe your fucking blood on the jersey. <laughs> Got mad at him for wiping his blood on the jersey, which is pretty funny. Um so yeah, that's on the that's on the podcast YouTube channel. You can I, I have a couple little clips of interviews. I haven't been uploading because YouTube has been fucking taking my shit down. I tried to upload again. I've tried to upload it like seven times. It's a um, my interview with AJ Galante from the Danbury Trashers, the old GM. 
um, I'm him talk about the horn that they would play when they're fighting, and it keeps getting taken down. I put not safe for children. I put uh, like an age limit on it because it keeps getting flagged for it goes against the child safety or something. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, and YouTube just shits the bed and takes it down every time. So I don't know. Maybe I'll try uploading other stuff. I got uh, I got like Pete Vandermeer talking with John Sc- or talking about fighting John Scott and shit like that. So uh, we'll see down the line if that actually happens. But um, any other topics anybody has? We'll see here before, uh, you know, we end it. Let's see. We're at hour five. Not bad. Like I said, you could ask me anything about anything. Yeah, what you, favorite fighter. Well, I guess I did my favorite fighters. But I don't know. Favorite fights. Doesn't matter. Anything fight or enforcer related, just go ahead and ask away. And I'll just fucking spew my bullshit on it for a little bit. post something hopefully we'll see and if you are listening and you haven't checked it out yet that i came out with i encourage you to go back and check out the interview i just did with rob volterra uhl tough guy um fought some tough dudes in the ahl uh by lois i had an interview with by lois kevin if you haven't checked that out i encourage you to go back and check that out great interview um and but i had rob volterra on and I, again, I didn't have a lot of his fight card, but his AHL shit I did have, and he fought some motherfucking tough dudes. He uh, he fought some tough dudes in the AHL, like um, uh, Stock, Vandermeer, um, Peters, Thornton, guys like that. Ugh. There we go. I had a little bit of fucking beer on there. I remember my first time pouring beer. Yes, thank you. It's you know. I bet you do, buddy, but when you're trying to, like, do this with you got a mic and you can't get up here, I probably should have just done it over here, but whatever. Uh, you can talk more about Ray and Domi. Yes, Ray and Domi. I, 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 know I commented that the other day because somebody asked, what's the most rounds that anybody had while they were um, – excuse me, most rounds anybody has fought in their the time in the NHL? And I think I could be wrong, and somebody uh, – exactly, tiny hands. You know, the only thing good about tiny hands – <laughs> Jay is that um, it makes my millimeter Peter look a lot bigger, at least in my hands. You know, anybody else's probably not, but my hands at least, yes. Um, so I think Ray and Domi might have, and you know, somebody in there can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, they might have the most rounds out of anybody in the NHL. I think they fought uh, that Ray and Domi sit down interview was great. Yes, that they just did with Buffalo and they kind of covered the series um, of their fights, but. I think they do have the most rounds out of anybody. I think they went 13, either 13 or 14 times, I think. And somebody can correct me on that. But um, they definitely created the rivalry. And I think it was like strictly on the ice, the rivalry was there. And off the ice, it was um, <laughs> gloves are cheaper. Yeah, exactly. Um, one sec. Oh, yeah. Here, Darren, just so I can keep syncing up the period with the wife, Bush Apple for you. And you know what, Darren? It tastes a little bit better just because it's cheaper, and I know you would have to take out a fucking personal loan to go get you some beer out in Canada. You know what I should do next episode? Even though I quit, I should just go get a fucking can of chew and just put in a big old fucking hammer of Grizzly just to just to fucking make it a little bit sweeter for you. Um, 13. So you said 13 times. Yeah, Ray and Domi went 13 times. That's fucking... That's, that's insane. And like we were talking about earlier... You know, how many times, when was the last time you saw, and my prediction for Reeves and Wilson was maybe they, like, Max, they go three times um, this entire season. You know, how many how many times do you see a guy go, 
five times anymore, let alone 13. So it, it, it's crazy to even think about. And I know Ray had a couple good rivalries. He had that, that one with Domi, and I posted the fight the other day. Him and Vial had a really, really solid rivalry. Hey, Kevin, what do you drink? Do you drink IPAs, your fucking bug spray? God damn it. <laughs> Everybody shits on my bush, but I love my bush, my bush light. You know what? Hold on. I'm going to go. Exactly, Darren. I'm going to go rock a piss real quick. We'll do that. Let me pause real quick. All right. We're back. We're back live on the podcast here. Funny you say that with the shorts. If you're in the military, you know what? You know what the problem is? The shorts that you wear in the military for, for our PT is they're incredibly short. So it's just what you get used to because it's what you wear around the fucking the room and shit. So now if I try to run, I know. Look at this this beautiful body. You can tell I run all the time, right? Um, the shorts are, they feel weird if they're the longer basketball shorts now. So I buy these ones. I have ones that run down the leg. So anyways, while we're talking, let's see. Has, has this entire conversation been about my fucking shorts the entire time? Let's see here. Um, the show has already improved. Thanks a lot, Darren. I'm drinking Summer Shankar. What the fuck is that? Let's see. I don't even know what Summer Shankar is. Uh, Jay, short's so short, it looks like he's trying to <laughs> put out for the pussycat dolls. <laughs> I ran once it was overrated. Yeah, dude, no kidding. I ran for the... F- I'll tell you what, dude. I ran for the first fucking time in months. It was last week out in the Florida heat. I tried to run a mile. I was like, I, I think I maybe got half a mile. And I was like, holy shit, dude. This is this is stupid. I don't know who does this for fun. I don't know what people get enjoyment out of this, but it was it was ridiculous. Um, so where were we? I think we were talking about Ray and Vial or Ray and... Let's see, was it Ray and... Um, Goddamn. Domi. That's who it was. Let's see. Summer Shankar sounds money. Different tax bracket. Yeah, we're not. Uh, us Bush Light drinkers aren't uh, aren't used to that. That Summer Shankar money. Let's see. I'm on beer eight. I'm switching to whiskey now. Got to make this mud show better. Somebody's got to make it better, right? Let's see. You ran someone chasing you. <laughs> no, that's the, that's the crazy part. Nobody was chasing me. Um. I'm trying to think of other rival fights that were pretty solid. I know in the LNH, obviously, it's a little bit different, but like Morasti Dubé was really good. And I know Morasti and Dubé had a solid fight um, that was mic'd up. And that fight is brutal. I, I'd have to try to see if I can find the link. I'm sure somebody can do it. Um, but Morasti and Dubé had a fight in the LNH that was mic'd up. And you can literally like hear the punches landing in the fight. It's like insane. And like you hear Morasti like grunting and shit like that. It was, it was crazy. Uh, but Morasti and Dubé, oh, Jesus Christ, that burnt tastes like fucking ribs. Probert and Brashear, I fought, I think, 10 times. Or I think fought 10 times. Yeah. Yeah, Probert and Brashear fought a shit ton. Um, oh, man, I'm really, I'm trying to think of what other, like, good rivalries there were. Like I said, I, I think O'Reilly and Schultz fought quite a bit. I could be wrong, and that's going a little bit past, um, especially my, you know, my knowledge only goes so far as much knowledge as we have in here. But... I think I think Schultz and O'Reilly fought quite a bit, but I think they might be maybe only fought you know five five times. Um, oh, and Darren, by the way, don't let Jay fool you. Whatever he says about his beer and his whiskey, blah blah. He was looking for Bush Apple. I got the fucking text to prove it. He's over there looking for the Apple beer. He's trying to get synced up with his wife's period too. Could get synced up with mine for all we know. Um, By Lois and Rocky Thompson, they fought quite a bit, and I think. Right, now, I'm sure Darren knows more about this than I do because he was a dub guy. But how many times did did Parker and uh, Thompson fight? Did they only have kind of that one big, like, showdown where they both were, like, tarps off by the end of it? 
or did they fight more than that? I thought Parker fought him a couple times, but I could be wrong. And like I said, I know I know Darren Darren's wheelhouse is the four or um the what was the like early two thousands dub. McGratton and Jansen ten times, Prust and Jansen nine times. That's a lot. I think I still think Ray and Domi take the cake though, as far as most rounds in a single uh, time. Oh shit, carries that crap shit in his purse. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but I think I think Ray and Domi still take the cake for having the most rounds between two fighters, at least in the NHL and the LNH. I think it's different because I think I'm trying to remember. I think Bedard. It might have been. Bedard only fought once. Okay, I, I thought so. I thought it was only that one, but I remember it was really hyped up because it was like that was uh, that was one of the big fights for Parker. Um, I think in the LNH, Dubé went with somebody, I think almost 16 times. It might have been like Bedard, maybe. I can't remember who he was, but there, I mean, in the LNH, it's a little bit different. People go so, like, so many fucking times. Lawnmower Summer Ale, yeah. <laughs> Taste the John Deere in it. All these beers. Yeah, that was huge buildup. Yeah, and that, that's a good fight. If anybody wants to check that one out, I think it's on Darren's channel. There you go. You're talking all this shit on my short shorts and my, my fucking beer, and I still hype up your channel, God damn it! And again, you know, the fucking the mailman must have been lost as hell because I still haven't gotten that check. Just took a tinkle. Did I miss anything important? Uh, Jay, no, you didn't. You, nothing about this podcast is important. Uh, Anthony said the OHL Caprera and Harrison eight times in three years. That's pretty, that's a pretty solid amount, especially in that short time frame. Um, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of who else has gone a lot. Probert and Cox only went a couple, a few times. They didn't go anything crazy. How many, how many rounds did Probert and Domi go? I know like Darren said, he went 10 rounds of Brashear. I know Probert and Domi went quite a bit though. I know nothing compares like the first two fights they had. Um, but they they went quite a bit compared to most. I I think they at least went ten. I think. Oh, we're getting low on beer. Time for me to see if I can know how to pour a beer again. You know what? That's my that's my downfall here, Jay. I got I got this beautiful fucking this camera now, this beautiful webcam, so you can see my ugly mug. But now you can see all the details on my old fucking shitty laptop camera. You couldn't even see the. You probably can't even see the beer go on the table there. All right. Let's see. Where's the regular? Oh, yeah. I'll try to alternate so it's not constantly apple or constantly light. So we'll see how this goes. You need a Viking drinking horn like I got going on. Yeah, is that the only horn you got going on there, Jay? I bet. All right. There, maybe get it close to the mic. Sound like the uh, the gin and juice Snoop Dogg video of everything pouring out before he starts going there. There we go. All right. Uh, Probert most frequent opponent was Grimson 13 times. Okay, so there you go. Domi nine. That's right. I, I thought they went ten, but there you go. So he went he went nine times. Uh, good time drinking and talking fights. And I think you asked how many game warns I own. Um, yes. So how many game warns jerseys do I own? Uh, give me two seconds. Let me open up the closet. And I can almost probably look in and tell you. There we go. All right. Oh man. So I got, I got this one. I'm on. I got let's see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 
11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. I think 18. I think. Um, I, I think I got 18 total, including this one. One of them I do have is not, it's technically not game worn, and this one's pretty cool. Um, hey, yeah, Jay, uh, we're, one, we got Florida education, and two, I was in the military, so, uh, you know, and not, not just the military, the Marine Corps, so we just know how to eat crayons and shoot guns. Um, but I think I got 18 total, and I'd have to double check that, but one of them is not technically game worn, it is worn in the Enforcer. Uh, black and blue competition and that was by Dean Mayrand and me and Darren were fortunate enough to have him um, prize jersey okay I got a couple of those um, but we got that jersey sent to us by Dean Mayrand and it was an absolute like awesome gift to get sent to us um, I've had three guys total send me uh, jerseys uh, and yes Cro- Jay I know they're called Crocs but we also uh, refer to those as the panty droppers as I mentioned before so Anybody out there trying to get Crocs, don't refer to them as Crocs. They're called panty droppers for a reason. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so that was sent to us. I had uh, just recently I had a um, Dayton Ice Bandits jersey sent to me. And it's like that if anybody's ever seen that logo, and I know Jay has seen this, um, but it looks like the Hamburglar almost. And I'd pull it out, but I, I don't want to keep stopping and starting the podcast up and like that. But I think I, I might have posted about it. Um, so if you, you can see it on my personal page, but... That was sent to me by Jack Gregg, former podcast guest, and I had a Port Huron Border Catch jersey sent to me, excuse me, by former podcast guest Bruce Watson, and so that was a lot of fun. So a couple Colonial League jerseys sent to me, and then that uh, competition jersey, and that, the one I have, the one by Dean Mayrand, it's like like I have to get a really wide hanger, the like the hanger has to be like this long. Um, to like even hold it up because the tear on it goes like all the way down so it's it's so far split from fighting i think it was jason russian he fought in that jersey i know darren's got his finals jersey so that one's awesome the one that he won the competition because they wore a couple sweaters that game and it's all mesh and it's some weird brand i've never fucking heard of and they just heat press the numbers on um fuck why don't my guests send me shit like that you got a uh you got a got it do you get a, a stick or something like that and then you got to uh, you got the dean may ran jersey I mean, I don't know. Talk to your guest. I, I think it says more about you than it does your guest, honestly. So, Darren, that's your that's. I don't know you got to investigate that. Um, Jay said I'd probably throw you in the ocean for that shirt. Yeah, that the old Hamburglar one is pretty sweet. And Kevin asks also, what is my most prized jersey? Oh man, I uh, probably a couple of them. Um, I'm trying to think of ones that will like never move ever. Um, are probably what I consider all the ones that have been sent to me are prized. I'll never sell those. I'll hold on to them. Um, unless I'm on like my deathbed, then somebody's going to be lucky and I'll send them. Uh, yeah, I got a ghillie stick sent to me and I had to pay 50 bucks duty. That's, that's a whole lot. Sounds like a whole lot of Canada's problem. Um, <laughs> but, uh, all the ones that were sent to me, I, I are prized. I'll never sell those or get rid of them. Um, like I said, unless I'm on my deathbed and maybe just maybe jail, get lucky and get the colonial league shit. If you're lucky, I don't know. He's been talking about my small hands and my little willy, uh, <laughs> but other jerseys. I got a Tampa Bay Lightning game worn um, Andre Wa jersey. That one's pretty solid. And I have a Link Gates Granby Predators. I thought about selling it. I wanted to sell it at, at one point, and I'm so glad I didn't. And I actually went way lower on it than I should have with the asking price. Uh, but I didn't sell it, so I got a Link Gates one uh, that I won't sell. And then I have a, what's the other one? Um, a Danbury Trashers. So you, you know, you like buy Lois. 
I have a Frank Bylois Danbury Trashes jersey. He only played parts of two seasons, and by parts of two seasons, he played five games each season. But I have a Frank Bylois Danbury Trashes jersey, and that one's up there because, of course, the Trashers logo is iconic, and it's Frank the Animal Bylois. And I think that was the last team he played for besides when he went to the LNH with uh, Sherbrooke. Um, don't sell the link. What the fuck are you nuts? Yeah, Darren, that was it was funny because I bought it right before COVID happened, and then COVID happened, and we didn't know how it was going to be because my wife was working half uh, half pay for her job, so uh, I, I it was it, times were getting tough for a second, and I had to start selling jerseys. Um, it's a good thing about them, but yeah, I didn't sell the link, and I'm glad that that's still in the closet. That one's awesome. Um, Honestly, another prize one. The only people I will ever like. So this one I'm wearing is actually one of my prized ones. I'm a huge Curtis Swanson fan. If you listen to the last episode, he is in my top five. He's my, you know, according to my list, my fifth favorite all time. If you want to be like, you know, technical or whatever. But I'm a huge Curtis Swanson guy. Um, and I have this one, and I have one that he wore, and it got recycled to uh, how you pronounce it with the French way. I'm not sure. You know, whether it's Simon or Simone, and then Desormieux. Um, it got recycled to, to him after Swanson wore it, but I had I had a Swanson nameplate made up almost to like I, as close as we can get to the exact specs because the L and H at the time, the the nameplate the the letters were fucking huge on it compared to what they are normally. So I had an exact nameplate or as close as like I said as close as we could get to exact uh, made up for Swanson, and I had Desormieux stripped off it. I still have that nameplate. Um, hanging around in the closet somewhere, but I have Swanson on it. And the only person I'll ever give those to is Curtis Swanson himself. Um, I've been forced enough to trade, or not trade, but sell him a couple jerseys. He was looking for guys he uh, played with. Swanee himself got into collecting. So I, I sold him a couple. I sold him a Mayrand, a Cote, and a Joel Terrio um, in like a package deal. And um, Swanee's an absolute fucking beauty. One of the nicest guys ever. I, I, I encourage you to go check out uh, not only his interview with me on the LNH, I think it was either it was either part one or part two, but I ch- go check out the LNH special. But he also was on Darren's podcast, and Swanson's an awesome dude. He's such a nice dude, and so down to earth. And I can't say enough good things about him. But those two jerseys too, so Swanson and um, uh, you know By Lois are probably the other two prized ones besides the link in the wall. So those are my prize shirts and. Let's see, Jay, you said you have one of those Granby shirts. Yeah, those old SP jerseys are really, like, it was funny because SP went from, like, the Mascus style uh, jersey where they're really thick to where it's more so traditional-ish jersey. Not not compared to, like, today, but more so, like, to, like, the later 2000s CCM jerseys. Uh, before CCM got taken over by Reebok, SP went to those. But the old ones, well, this one that I'm wearing, and Jay, I know you've had, I think you have one of these. This is probably, like, the thickest jersey material I've ever seen in my fucking life. This one actually has a repair by Curtis Swanson. You can see it there. It's got a front tie down added like down here. Like I said, the sleeves are extended on it. But this is like this branded jersey. I forget the name of it, but it was used by um, Prolab and then Saguenay, uh, the Fjord. And they didn't, they didn't even last a full season. And that was like the um, the Louis Gaudreau or whatever. Yeah, however the fuck you say it. You're right, Jay. Yeah, it's, the thick, it's like the thickest jersey you'll ever see. I'm like, how the fuck did you not overheat these things? Um, so they're super, like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, they're just, like, they're thick. They're not, like, it's in itself and its width is not thick. It's like the material is just dense. So I'm like, I don't know how the fuck these guys wore this shit. But I know a couple teams use these. I think it was just Pro Lab and then um, the Fjord for Saguenay. I had a, a, a Jason Rushton at one point. 
uh, it was the yellow one. It was like they wore it like I think one night or a couple nights, but it was like an alternate jersey that they had. So yeah, these are probably the you know the Swansons, the Wa, um, the Trashers, uh, Bylos, and then the Link Gates, and then of course, like I said, the other ones the guys sent me. Those are probably or excuse me, probably my. My, my prize jerseys that won't ever go anywhere unless like, you know, I really get out of the hobby, but those are the ones that I, I are likely to be framed up whenever, you know, we're in an apartment now. Eventually I have it on the way, but up here in the background, there we go. Pointing over there. Um, I actually have a neon sign coming. My wife bought me for my birthday. that says five for fighting podcast. So I'm looking forward to putting that up. But whenever we get a house and out of the apartments, uh, I'll be hanging those up like around the man cave podcast area. Um, and let's see, Jay said they're stupid thick. The Fjord jersey had to fight straps up between the shoulder blades. Yeah. So the, the Fjord jerseys, um, you know, it's like where the numbers are on the back of the jersey. They were up at the very top of them and they were super long for no, like, I don't know why they did it. It was only that team that they did it on too. Like on this jersey, it's normal. It's where it's supposed to be, excuse me. And then, you know, Swanee had the, the front tie down at it, but on the, those Fjord jerseys, you're right. Uh, I was fortunate enough to see. I think both of them, uh, Searson had, or excuse me, both Swansons that uh, Swanee wore for the Fjord. Uh, uh, Searson has one, and then Swanee had one. Of, I was like, I played like the the mule for for old Searson out there. I don't even know if he's watching. It's probably not, but he's on UK time doing God knows what else. But they had fight straps that were tied down at the very top of the numbers on the jersey, and they would go all the way down. So I don't know why they made them so long. I felt like it was kind of unnecessary. But, yeah, they were between the shoulder blades. I totally forgot about that until you brought it up. Uh, but, yeah, I've seen it. It's like these fight straps like this fucking long. It's like, why? <laughs> you know, like the normal fight strap is not that long. So I don't know why they did it. But, um, yeah, that's my little jersey collection. And those are ones that I, uh, you know, I, I, I treasure more than others, I guess. But, actually, one I did I did get was a Luchich. And I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought it would because that was out of my out of my wheelhouse for collecting. I normally collect, like, you know, minor leagues. I don't really collect NHL. But I, for whatever reason, I was really interested in a Lucic, and I bought it, and I was actually really excited for it. And it was when he got his like one, one or two game suspension in. Um, whenever you punch that one kid from Columbus while Lucic was playing for the Flames, so that was pretty cool. I'd post a picture of the press I have, but I don't think I can in the comments. No, not on the live video. I don't think you can. I think it's just a sticker or an insert, but. Yeah, if you look up like a Saguenay Fjord like jersey, you could probably see it. And you'll see, even if you can't see the fight strap as a whole, if you look on the back of the jersey at the top, you'll see like a, um, a little square. You can see all the stitching around it, and that's where the fight strap starts. So it's it's fucking weird. I don't know why they did that. But um, now it's, it's cool to see like through the years of like what tough guys would do to customize their jerseys that's for sure and i think that's why enforcer jerseys are the best ones to collect not only do they have the most aware but they have the most uh interesting story in terms of uh customizations and alterations that they make to them um and i had an episode with brent cover discussing all that and that was a lot of fun but um any other topics anybody wants to talk about anything anything at all before we uh wrap it up here we've been going on for an hour and a half that's pretty fucking solid i like to get at least an hour out of these so i mean you know if we're just bullshitting and well, let me ask people this do, do you is this time solid on like a saturday night or would you rather a little bit earlier maybe like i don't know eight o'clock something because typically when i do these it'll probably be a saturday either a friday or saturday night so if this time is solid for everybody um you know i'm, I'm glad uh greg said love the jersey watching from uh nz that's awesome um 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, I should have asked him about that, Jay. You're right. When uh, Rob Volterra had his time in the Mallards where his jersey ripped off. Like, he in a fight, his jersey got ripped so much that, um, like, it was, like, apparently could have fit his whole, like, his whole fed through well, my head. But, like, your whole body almost, like, the way it was, <laughs> it was cut down was, like, uh, uh, Jay said it was like the biggest repair he's ever seen on a hockey jersey. And, you know, if you collect game worn jerseys, you know that teams do repairs. Like I said, with, with this one, you know, you got this like little patch. I don't know how good the camera can pick it up. Like, uh, let me see. Let me expand the video a little bit here. Uh, let me go up. You might be able to see it, but it's like a small outline here on the jersey. And that's uh that's a patch. That's like a separate material of jersey, like stitched over that because it was ripped down down the middle at one point. So uh, it's cool to see different customizations and like repairs guys do uh, or equipment managers do on jerseys. But um, okay, cool. So this is a good time. Okay, I'm. I mean, I'd like to start around. Um, typically, around nine o'clock is when we run the dog out for the last time. So that's why I try to start at around nine thirty, nine forty-five. The last one I got held up doing shit. So that uh, that sucked. I think I don't think I started going live here until like eleven o'clock at night. So. I think 10 o'clock is a pretty solid time, but if anybody has any suggestions or anything you want me to do, talk about next episode, talk about this episode. Um, you know, what, you know, if, if you want to listen to the podcast, um, like this, or uh, what, I, what, one thing I really want to try to do is I got to buy like the premium version of zoom. But now that I have the webcam, um, what I'm really going to try to do down the line is if a player that I'm interviewing happens to have zoom, um, we, I'd like to do a live interview inside, of the uh, the the group and go live while I'm interviewing a player, so I think that'll be a whole lot of fun. <laughs> it's when your wife lets you. Let's be honest. Uh, no, we were, we actually run the dog out at nine. Um, no, it's okay. I, you know, I I sweetened her up a little bit today though. I did make her ribs, so she uh watching Lucifer, dude. That's fucking accurate as shit. It's funny. Is she out in the living room? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Baby in the living room. You in the living room? Are you watching Lucifer? When was the last time you watched Lucifer? A couple weeks ago. Okay, no worries. Just asking. Yeah. No, Jay just said that, you know, he said, uh, <laughs> he said she's probably on the living room watching Lucifer. And I laughed at first, and then I thought about it, and I was like, that's pretty fucking accurate. Well, I mean, anything's better than my ugly mug, so you got that going for you. Uh, that one's <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> at least it was a couple weeks ago. It wasn't tonight, but it was a couple weeks ago. I know she fucking watches Lucifer. I didn't laugh at As I was laughing, I was like, oh, Lucifer, that's funny. I was like, wait a minute. She does watch that show. So, um, and uh, Jay, I was actually just talking to my wife. We're going to hold you up on that offer for stakes because I know I don't think when we're up there in Iowa this year, I don't think the store and play a game, but I'm going to make you cook me some steaks. And like I said, I expect some five-star service. The the coldest of the bush lights um, better be served up. And if you got a keg, then, I mean, more power to you. When they're in the when we're in the basement watching hockey fights. Yeah, that's what we call it these days, right, Jay? Um, no, but yeah, it's so true. Um, but... All right, everybody. I think we'll wrap it up here. I think it's a solid stopping point. Um, I appreciate everybody tuning in and you know giving their thoughts on the the arms race of enforcers today and maybe what's going on with the league and some signings. So I appreciate it. Uh, this is always a fun time for me, even if it's you know four people watching this shit and interacting. It's still fun to just bullshit, drink beer, and discuss hockey fights and enforcers. So 
Um, I appreciate it. If you want to check out the podcast, go on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, everything. It's always there. Anywhere uh, podcasts are available, you can find the podcast. Um, if you want to follow the podcast on uh, Facebook, I, I've, I've tagged it multiple times. You can just click it and press like on the Five for Fighting podcast or just search it in the search bar. Same thing on Twitter and Instagram. If you probably just search Five for Fighting podcast, you'll find it. But if you're looking for the specific like at or the name of it, just go to Twitter and it's at the number five and then four fighting pod and then go over and check out Instagram and it's at uh, just five for fighting pod spelled out regularly. And uh, even though, you know, he's an asshole and, you know, he sits there and talks shit on my bush light all night with my even my bush apple and my menstrual cycle I have with my my beautiful wife. Um, <laughs> go check out Darren over at the fourth line voice. Um, yeah, exactly. Anyone know any good fight podcast? I laugh at that real quick. I laugh at that. So we've had people come in here. You know, fight, Darren, there you go. You got me go. I'm, I'm sitting here trying to wrap it up and now we're going to go another 10 minutes. So I've seen this happen a couple times in here. Uh, people come in asking, you know, oh, I've, you know, I've, I've always liked spitting chiclets and, uh, John, John Scott's podcast and 31 thoughts or whatever the fuck it is, you know, over there. Uh, yeah, exactly. Jay, your John Scott has a good one. Does anybody know any fight podcast and me, Darren and Joe over at the Coliseum Chronicles post in here, every fucking episode that we have will get released. And as soon as it is released, we, we tweet it, we post it on Facebook, post on Instagram everywhere we fucking can. Um, like literally everywhere, and including this group, the other hockey fight groups that are just absolute garbage. Uh, you know, but it is what it is. It's another way to promote the shit. But every time we post it in there, and we have still people that come in here. Does anybody know of any good hockey fight podcast? And I'm like, how? I, I mark this shit as an announcement, and I go li- I go live in here. I announce it all the time. I go live in here <laughs> that we just to talk in forces and fights. So it's funny as shit. Yeah, we spam it. We really do. We post it fucking everywhere. You can't miss it, but somehow people do. So I just find it funny. People asking, you know, uh, oh, is there any fight podcast out there? Well, goddamn, I fucking wonder. Um, Uncle Darren's happy furniture fun time or was it happy fun time Sunday chat? There you go. Um, but no. So if you're looking for fight podcast out there, please, uh, I encourage you to go check out the back catalog that I have. I've got guys, you know, NHL that we talked about tonight: Chris Nyland, Rob Ray, Andre Waugh. You want LNH? I got Curtis Swanson, Brad Lambert. Uh, you know, the list goes on. I just had Rob Voltaire on, so go check that out. And you want Darren's podcast? Okay, well you got. Steve McIntyre, John Marachi, Joey Tedaranko, Dan Kopeck, uh, Josh Mazer. How many more in there? It's, it's, you know, all leagues are covered by both of our podcasts here. Um, and we just do this for fun. We're not doing this to get big like spit and chiclets. We're just doing this to have a good time and get some stories out there because this is what people want to hear about the enforcers because too many podcasts out there. Um, and nothing against spit and chiclets. I know they're the biggest hockey podcast out there, but you listen to a fight. Uh, like a like a fighter's interview or an enforcer's interview on there. Uh, what was it like fighting them? Uh, oh, it was like this. Oh, okay, cool. So how many how many girls did you fuck that season? It's like what? Like why? I just I just want to hear about fights. I do. Uh, like I don't mean to toot my own horn and I don't mean to sound arrogant, but if you listen to my Pete Vandermeer interview, um, versus like spitting chicklets, it's night and day. But uh, you know, either way, it is what it is. I'm not saying don't go listen to Chicklets or fuck them, but I'm just saying that like if you want to hear actual fight interviews about the nitty gritty shit that us fight fans like to hear, check out my podcast, Darren's or uh, Joe's over at the Coliseum Chronicles, who's had on guys like Aaron Asham, Eric Bolton, um, shit like that, and he just had it on a guy from like the lacrosse team for for New York, which is pretty cool. Uh, tough guy in the lacrosse league, so um, 
I encourage you to go check out all of our podcasts and please, please do me a favor, rate and review the show. Go there and if you want to go there right after this while it's fresh in your mind, just go rate the show on Apple Podcasts if you can. Give it five stars. Give it a thumbs up or whatever the fuck it is. Um, leave a review if you really want to. Um, and it really helps the show grow and help it pop up more when people say or like when people type in uh, fight podcast or hockey podcast or whatever. So it really helps the show grow and get out there and, you know, reach a wider audience. But um, anyways, guys, I'll leave it at that. And I appreciate everybody for tuning in tonight. It was a lot of fun. Um, I'd like to make this almost like a regular thing, like if not every weekend, every other weekend, at least. Hopefully, I don't know if he's still in here. Probably not. But Howie Rosenblatt, um, I'm hopefully trying to line up an interview with him. So we'll see how that goes. Um, hopefully later on this week. And so Jay, you got some homework to do. I need you to you fill me in on some Howie Rosenblatt notes. But anyways, guys, I'll leave it at that. Thank you so much for tuning in. I had a great time. This is always a fun time to sit here and drink beer and bullshit. But anyways, take it easy. Hope everyone has a great night or morning, evening, whenever everybody's listening to this. But anyways, you gotta fight for your